Welcome to Spirit in the Schools, a show revealing the Holy Spirit through self-gift and education. And now, here's your host, Mr. Zach Coyle. Spirit in the Schools! Welcome back, listeners, to Spirit in the Schools, where we reveal the Holy Spirit through stories of self-gift and education. I'm your host, Zach Coyle, Principal of St. Vincent de Paul in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I'm here today with fellow principal Rob Sordolette from St. Charles Borromeo School. Sorry, Rob, I barely okay. can't talk. It's your your school's second episode, so I've um, had the grace of saying the name enough. You'd think I could say that right. But seriously, uh, Rob, welcome from St. Charles. We're happy to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Zach. We're, Very glad to be here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. So today's episode is titled, Schools Can Learn Too. And Rob, I give you all the credit for uh, just kind of the content and thinking about what this would mean. So we're going to look at how St. Charles Borromeo was learning through and beyond the pandemic and how nationally Catholic schools might have had the opportunity to do that as well. So for our listeners, have you ever struggled with the question, what good came from the pandemic? Did any good come from it? The answer actually is yes. And we'll get into that with St. Charles and what it might mean for our families who listen as well. But before we do that, Rob, I think it would be great since a listener could be around the nation. They may not know about you or about St. Charles. Of course, I really admire your tenure in the diocese and just admire, I think it's 27 years. Is that right? That's correct. That's awesome. Well, we'll share a little bit of background for yourself. So obviously you started teaching and how long have you been, you know, how long were you a teacher and, and then at different schools? Share that journey with us. So this is my 27th year in the diocese as an administrator, as a principal. I began at St. John the Baptist in New Haven as a teacher uh, coming out of college. Sure. And then I taught five years there and then uh, took the job as principal. So I was principal for five years and then St. Charles asked me to come and be principal uh, there. That's Great. my home parish. And that's where I went to school. So sure. Oh, I didn't know you were an alum. Oh, that's awesome. That's right. That's great. Were you there for all of your grade school years? I was. And I'm the youngest of seven children. So all my brothers and sisters had gone to that nice. school and graduated and then on to Bishop DeWanger High School. And um, I went to IU for my uh, bachelor all right. of education. Awesome. And then I came out. I actually taught on the... Uh, uh, Navajo Indian Reservation for my student teaching in a okay. program. And then I taught a year in Japan also really? teaching English conversation. Awesome. And I came back and was fortunate to get a job that summer, five days before school started Wow! at uh, St. John's in New Haven. That's I've great. been at, uh, this is my 22nd year now at St. Charles Borromeo. So. Awesome. Rob, thanks so much for sharing. I really had no idea you taught on a reservation and in Japan. Yeah. Probably both were challenging in very different ways and very. probably both were rewarding in very different ways. What do you remember? Like, just, I know that's going back to the start of your career, but like, what are, what's something from either one of those experiences that you carry with you? Well, sometimes you, when you're in college, they have uh, opportunities in the School of Education, teach overseas, teach in, in an inner city, the Appalachian Mountains and so mm -hmm. forth. And yep. Yep. Um, I call it divine providence, I guess. Somebody mentioned the program to me. I picked up a flyer. Then a girl I didn't know turned to me in class and said, I think you would be good in that program. And so oh, wow. you don't know what you're going to do. So I enrolled in the program and then went to the meetings. And before you know it, uh, I was enrolled. heading out to, the, to, out to the checkerboard region of the Navajo Reservation. It's mainly in Arizona, but it extends into New Mexico by the Four Corners sure. and goes in and out like a checkerboard and uh, ended up at uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs Boarding School. Its uh, name is uh, Zilthna Odithli. Oh, wow. And uh, I lived at the uh, school, the middle school there, the boarding school, but I drove to the high school about 22 miles away, public high school of 
Native Americans, Anglo's, and Latinos. So about a what third. What a fascinating third, experience. So, so what were you teaching in in those? In I that taught time? high school. I taught high school English at that time, sophomores okay. and juniors, as I student taught. Uh, living at the Bureau of Indian Affairs boarding school, um, we would on Friday, um, on Sunday nights, we would take all the students home. I mean, I, I reverse that. On Friday nights, we would take all the students home. Okay. And then on uh, uh, Sundays, we would go and pick up all the students. And when I say we, the staff there, so in vans and SUVs, we'd drive almost sometimes an hour and a half away because really? you, you wow. get to the Western states, the space in, is huge. So they would come all the way there, live live at the boarding school all week, and okay. then be taken home. Some still do not have electricity in the homes that they live wow. in. They're remote homes and so yeah, forth. Yeah, that's so, pretty incredible. So everybody would go home on the weekend, and then I would be there living in a school pretty much by myself, which was okay. Yeah, That's kind of okay. what we picture. But the community was great. Um, they, they very much love basketball. I love basketball. So they would... Uh, they invited me to start playing with them, so we would go to tournaments and so forth on the weekends. So. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Well, you know, I've uh, for a listener, I've long admired Rob. Rob, with 27 years as a principal, I think, unfortunately, is an increasingly rare thing. You know, nationally, Catholic schools are not finding administrators committed for a long period of time. And, and you'll see that, you know, our own diocese shared with us that we have many principals who have less than 10 years experience or even less than five. So I admire you for that. But getting to know your background, teaching for the Navajo Reservation— and then in Japan, I mean, that's pretty incredible. So thanks for sharing that. It's just yeah, it's amazing welcome. what you don't know about sometimes your colleagues that you're working with and, and you can learn. That's great. Well, for our listeners, Rob, tell us a little bit about your wonderful school. Of course, I'm blessed to know some of St. Charles, but just how would you word the mission statement? What's your current enrollment looking like? Give us some of the background there. So we, we worked to simplify the mission statement years ago because everyone has beautiful mission statements, but if you can't speak to them in uh normal language or briefly, then they're just pretty words on the wall. Yes, so our amen. mission statement we boil down uh, is to teach, love, live, and learn as Jesus did. Awesome. And so um, that covers about everything. Yeah, it sure <laughs> Keep, does. Keeping Jesus as the core. And if, yeah. you're, if you're doing that, then then you have good success. That's so, so good. Our, uh, for those who don't know, Zach's school and my school are very similar in size and setup and so forth. So uh, K through eight, um, how many K classrooms do you have? Do you have four K We have four for K and then three, yeah, you know, in first grade. Both of us, uh, neither school began with kindergarten as part of the school. That just wasn't part of the system uh, years ago. You went to public school for right, K. Right, And then St. Vincent's Sack School built a kindergarten, and then we built a kindergarten too. And the state of Indiana moved to full-day kindergarten, so... It's kind of a competition. If we didn't go to full day, comp <laughs> if we didn't go to full yep, day kindergarten, yep. we we're going to lose people. Sure. So we built new, and they built new, and we built four classrooms uh, to accommodate smaller class size for that K. Traditionally, we're first grade through eighth grade. We have three sections of each grade level. Right. Exactly same, the same. Same for us. Same yeah. setup. And then you have pre K now too. We added pre K four year olds. We we were able to convert one room. Um, about six years ago, and then we converted another, and we're out of space, but we're full in those classrooms. So That's one great. is all day, and the other is uh, a.m. and p.m., 180 days, same schedule as all smart. the rest. That's smart to offer that. More people need full days, so that a.m. and p.m., we always have maybe 
uh, seven to 12 who stay for both sessions. Okay. So it works out. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, with the pre-K edition, I think you all have the leading enrollment for the diocesan grades, which is fun. If you count pre-K. Really, no, Zach great. is the St. Vincent de Paul in Fort Wayne is the largest K through eight oh. number. How many do you have K through eight? So we're uh, this year just shy of 770. I think it's 769, right? 769. Now. We're about 7, 737 okay. K to 8. And but then adding pre-K. Pre-K, we're about 806. Yeah. Well, it's just so, fun, Rob. It's fun yeah. to just share the mission and just, I love the way that you were the mission. Just one more time. It's to teach, love, live, live and, and learn. And learn as Jesus did. Yeah. That's beautiful. And yes, master teacher was probably actually, we don't say this enough about our word, but in a sense, his desire to learn too is evident, you know, in scripture and, and what he did with his apostles. So perhaps in a sense, master learner as well, you know? Correct. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Well, so today we're really thinking about how our schools needed to learn and needed to grow in the pandemic. And we all did. I mean, there was definitely a period of, of suffering for so many, but the idea that the Lord often leads suffering for a purpose at the end of that, not that God, I mean, I want to be really clear here. If somebody's listening to this in our theology, God never wills bad. And, right. and we know that in our church. So God didn't will the pandemic, but he works all things for the good. Right. So that's really fun to think about this, about what good, you know, came out of it. So let's go back to the beginning, though. Yeah. So we are, um, when we think about reaching spring of 23 to come here in a few months, you know, we'll be three years removed from when this all started. That's right. It's hard to believe that, actually. It's a blur, isn't it? It really, really is. But let's think back. So if it's spring of 2020, for St. Charles, how ready did you feel you were in terms of, the school's technology facilities there, and then, of course, for your staff, too, to be able to switch. That was, of course, the nation shut down. Correct. And so we all had to kind of pivot. And if a school didn't have e-learning and had to figure out how to make it, I think St. Charles at that point already had e-learning in place, at least for weather. We did. So uh, credit again to St. Vincent's. So St. Vincent's had... Uh, begun the e-learning probably first in the area. Oh, okay. Your, I didn't even uh, know that. Predecessors, maybe two principals ago. Sure. Or, uh, at least Cheryl, your predecessor. Um, well, and people give Sandra Guffey a ton and of Sandra credit Guffey, too. Sandra yeah. long time I know you would have worked there. with both. That's great. And so to give you some history, St. Saint, Saint Charles and St. Vincent's both were started in farm rural areas. St. Vincent's is older. I, I don't know what the origin or how long, when you were established. We were established in 57, 1957. Okay in farmland that sprung from St. Jude's here in Fort Wayne. Um, and then then that developed very quickly residentially. Um, but we were always sort of rivals, but in in a good way. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And our two longtime pastors, uh, Father Monsignor Kuzmik and Monsignor Hessian, and then Selzer, uh, Selzer and Kuzmik were classmates. Oh, okay. So they, right, they were good right. friends all along. It was like a, a joking relationship, but they did like to win at sports oh, and yes. so forth. Yeah. But, um, Vincent, St. Vincent's had initiated, uh, begun to initiate a one-to-one um, student learning device to student and had established probably in their sixth, seventh, and eighth grade with iPads at that time. Yep. And so uh, my my technology teacher at the time, she said, I kind of floored her. I walked in and it was March and I said, next year we're going one-to-one. We're going to do it. Let's figure out how to do it. At okay. least we're going to start it. Yep. And so we, over the course from that March until the beginning of school, we started in, I believe, sixth grade and seventh grade, one-to-one with devices. Okay. And that when whenever you start that up, then it exposes all your infrastructure weaknesses. So mm-hmm. one thing led to another, but we spent the money. We upgraded all the infrastructure, all the access wireless points and so forth right. throughout the building. Right. And we began, and then from there we phased in after that initial year. We found that Chromebooks were 
uh, more cost effective and so forth. And um, by the time the pandemic hit, we had devices in uh, third grade through eighth grade that they were well, that's able a huge to take blessing. home. And then we had some in the classroom. So we were already doing e-learning. Um, and are they familiar with e-learning? Is this across the nation? Well, is sure. So I think called? for some some listeners, probably since the pandemic, it yeah. probably is. But I think it still is great that we would share kind of our what it means for us. Yeah. So yeah, feel free. I mean, I can augment that too. But what does it mean for you all? You well, know? E- e-learning then when it initiated was if we had a snow day or some day we had to shut down, could we remotely uh, have assignments offer, and yep, offer instruction right. uh, for the students? Not necessarily the best one-to-one instruction where the teacher went live, but we had a system in place where people could access videos or a teacher live or at least the teacher uh, being on call from nine to one where they mm-hmm. could take emails or yep, comments exactly. and so forth to help out students. And, sure. and we began that process and taught everyone. And so we didn't lose a day of school or a whole day of learning. We could right. at least maintain. Right. So that was e-learning for us and it was already in place. But in fairness, we had we had pockets within the diocese whose uh, parents did not want e-learning. Sure. And so they had never done that. So they didn't have any of these systems in place. They might had might have had uh, computers or laptops or iPads or Chromebooks in the classroom for some of their grades, but they didn't have the infrastructure and they didn't have the setup ready. Right. So the pandemic hits, and then we kind of all shut down for about a week trying to figure out what we we're going to do, and then we came online again, and uh, all the while informing our parents, "Hang in there. This is where we're, we're figuring going. it out. We're, we're going to grow with out. you." Yep. 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 So for some of our. Uh, Fellow schools, they were putting packets, paper packets together that they're dropping off in car lines and uh, then having to collect those packets again at at the end of the week to drop off where the rest of us were just expanding our e-learning, trying to figure out behind the scenes, how are we going to do this? And that's what that week shutdown was like. And, And luckily, it was close to our spring break. That was actually fortunate. Yes, I remember that. Yep. Gave it a little bit more planning time, didn't it? We kind of could shut down, get it sort of up and running, and then we had more time. So it yes. gave us enough. And uh, as you recall, there just that initial fear across the country and across the globe. Oh, yeah. So you had to, those were the things that, that people who weren't staying up and running, managing bigger uh, businesses or schools, there was that fear mm-hmm. first. There thing. was. Yeah. And how are we going to do this? Sure. And then can it be done? So when we think about the good that came out of it, I mean, I just right there. So St. Charles was blessed and, and St. Vincent's was too. And at the time I um, had also been at St. John's. So I was yeah. there and uh, by the Lord's grace, St. John's had been in a place to at least pilot a learning management software, which of course had long been in place at St. Charles and Vincent's. And again, for a listener, if you don't know that term, learning management software is just an online platform that can house content. So many schools use Canvas. That's common in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, but there's many other providers of this. That's but right. So St. John's had tried that and, and got there. But, you know, that growth, that's one point of goodness that did come forward, that a school that started with paper packets back and forth had to learn as the year went on, and then we were able to reopen. But as there were periods of maybe an outbreak in, in the community and they had to shut down again for a week, they had to innovate ways to to find that online learning management software, some way of delivering that online right. instruction. So that is certainly one point of goodness and growth. And then you you just said this too, Rob, thinking a little bit about how could we deepen the e-learning. I think that's where teachers showed, and, and just the charity in this, that the love, those teachers who really felt the Lord calling them to teach through the pandemic, having to put in a very different way of working and a very deeper amount, I mean, like literally way more hours, but 
one of the things that the many teachers were able to find was that they could use a Zoom or a Google Meet or a platform like that and actually reach their students live and teach and still show what that content was and get the camera on the whiteboard and figure it out that way or share their screen and work through a problem, right? So a whole different way of teaching and learning. And and one, we certainly desire to be together in person, especially at the grade school level. I mean, I think an adult learner can be in an online format and that you know can work very effectively. But for a young child, they need that physical togetherness. But in the time when we couldn't, Finding a way to deepen that through a Zoom product or through a Google Meet certainly, you know, was another point of deepening. It was, uh, I give the teachers uh, great credit. They uh, probably underappreciated for what they did. A pro- behind, I would say, uh, nursing home uh, workers, <clears throat> yes. nurses, uh, hospital staff. Of course, they had the hardest job during the pandemic, but on call dealing with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, And all the other industries, we were so blessed uh, here in Indiana that we could, our grocery stores remained open, the hardware stores remained open, the the essential bones of everything stayed open. Yes. And then uh, after that initial shutdown and getting through the rest of that school year, we were in person. Glory be to God for that. For the next two years. Yes. When most of the country was not, or a lot of it wasn't. So, but for the teachers to adapt... you just take a step back and you think, I could probably do that. I could adapt and teach these kids. Well, we had 36 different teachers and all of these different subjects as you guys did and think of the high schools and all those things. How do we do this? How do we get a camera in front of everybody? What's doable? Even the best intention teacher might go on and uh, a student can't take three hours of video content in a day. What what can the students bear? What can the families bear? Parents who have three kids at home, five kids at home, uh, how, how do they get it how all? How do you in? manage all of that at once? How do you manage, especially no, yeah. the younger you get? Yeah. It's not really realistic. It had to be uh, broken down to the essentials, boiled down. What do they need? And that first to end that first year was more survival. Yes, yeah, the spring spring twenty twenty was, but like you said, then the grace that we did receive in Indiana, yeah. it wasn't that way in every part of the nation. It, Certainly wasn't that way for, especially I think, larger cities and larger school districts. But we were able to return in person, and there were many other restrictions in play. And of course, you and I remember them. And um, I, you know, I think when we think about the good from it, it's not to review every restriction. Certainly, schools had things like masking and different ways of cohorting and moving groups around the building, and there were periods of quarantine, all, all these things. But the good in it about that flexibility, right? So I, I can remember just speaking with some of our teachers about. Well, really, I don't think I can teach with a mask. And it's like, well, the alternative, though, is this online that we had just endured, right? And then it was like, actually, I, yeah, I mean, I, I maybe don't want to teach in a mask, but I really want to be back in person. So, yeah, I think I can teach in a mask. And we even found, I mean, there were people who were creative with like kind of like that clear mask. And so you could actually see their face and just, yeah, there were so, so many things. So for St. Charles, when you think about the whole period of, so, you know, spring 2020, and then we could reopen. Mm-hmm. If you think about that year, so 2020, 2021, there again, I think teachers were called on to be deeply flexible. So what's something that comes to mind for you about just where your building was, where your teachers were? How did you, you know, because just having your episode last week, hearing about now your faith sharing opportunities, there is so much goodness in your building, Rob, sincerely. So, you know, what's just a story or two that comes to mind from from that era of just... From last year? Yeah, about just remaining flexible through that. I think... It, it could be either be either year. Like, it could be 2021 or 21-2, but that whole era. I think the first year, everyone was 
all in together. So you're rowing, rowing in the same direction because you wanted to get back. You were, you were shut. We were all shut down. The whole country was shut down. And now we're getting back, back to yes. some semblance of normal. And the parents really needed that because oh, yes. the reality is the parents had probably used up a lot of their job benefits of being able to stay home. So yep. a lot of that was gonna, going to start running out and they needed to have their children in school. They needed aftercare before before school care and aftercare. They had that to provide big, for their families. Had, they had yeah. to. So we wanted to stay up and running. We wanted to be as normal as we could. We we were able to host that first full year back. A lot of the athletic events, you know, we we um, hosted a lot of the football games, kind of kept kept those things going and yeah. basketball and volleyball and found a way to do it. Uh, we had a little bit more difficulty in the fine arts just because the the chorus and bringing all those guys together and singing. But that, yeah, that was hard. But we tried. Sure. Masses were spaced out. Yeah. But we were attending and we streamed. So we had to cut the mass attendance in half uh, there at mass because we were spread out, but we would stream it back to the classroom. So and that's brilliant. A way to on connect the schedule the children, right. and, and kept offering and offering. And that, that gets into an, another point is um, the the priests had to adapt. The, the parishes had to adapt. They sure did. And I don't know, uh, some were quicker and some were slower to do that, to stream and not stream. And uh, and then that spacing in, ma- in mass. And, and I think there are some profound examples of parishes even opening up further mass times. Yes. So that they could do the spacing and people could find that. Doing the live streaming would, would be one. And you get those stories. Um, this is actually before I'd come to St. Vincent's, but there was even an outdoor mass offered. And you heard around that around the nation yeah. that, you know, somebody could then receive communion even mainly by staying in their car with a yeah. broadcast, but then coming out to actually receive the Lord. Those are those are some examples, but yeah. So yours, this this is great. So you were able to take your student enrollment, cut that in half so the church could be spaced out, yeah. and then the other half could then be receiving the mass still in the classroom. So presumably, was I don't know if this was in within like one week or across a month, but would that then flip flop? So like the other half would go to the church then. How they did would, that happen? They would flip yeah. flop, and and it, what was remarkable. So we have a main hallway, and it's about 130 yards long. It's a main know? hallway, all right. It's, That's it's, long. It's long. Yep. Yep. And you would go down the hallway, and on the mass days, when what, what we do for mass, so Friday's an all-school mass, we all gather, but uh, Tuesday, it's uh, grades three, four, and five go together alone. Wednesday, uh, first and second, and then K is kindergarten's phasing in, and then Thursday, six, seven, and eight go along sure. together. Yep. It helps the priests. They can tailor the mass, mm-hmm. the homilies oh, yeah. to those younger and uh, age appropriate, and then a Friday all-school mass. But you would go down the hallway, and those students who had mass that day or the all-school mass, we would rotate who attended the all-school mass, so they kept rotating. Kids were incredible. So mm-hmm. they a lot of times they would dim the lights. They're projecting the mass on a whiteboard. And the students are standing and sitting and responding and singing. There were no discipline issues. Everyone participated. It it was fantastic. It was very moving to to see that, that it was considered sacred and they— That is the Holy Spirit at work. And that's probably why the Lord, I think, put on the heart the desire to do this particular podcast, right? Like, think about that. And I I think that is an experience that happened at other Catholic schools, too. I think so. Even if it wasn't live streamed from that exact parish— Tapping into a mass, perhaps that was from a church somewhere else Correct. in the nation, or right? A national mass, yeah. yeah. But the kids actually—you were so right. No discipline problems, you know, and actually participating from within the classroom, like that—that that is a beautiful grace. Yeah, amen. Well, I think just think about the good, right? Schools can learn too. So we talked a little bit about 
first we had to think about our online content and how to even offer that. But then some of that learning was more about, okay, we're back in person. How do we do the spacing? How do we do that? Look at the parish learning, right? And was there a way that groups of children, even spaced out in their classrooms, could worship the Lord and know that they were also together in that? Right. And yes, like that's, I mean, that is a huge grace. Like we can carry on in our faith, even in the face of trial, right? And so thank you, Rob, for sharing it. I think that's just a beautiful note, not only a flexibility on the on the teaching staff, but on our priests and just on the diocese as a whole. And I, and I think that's a story that really does go, you know, around the nation. So let's think about looking ahead. You know, you and I have talked a little bit about just the good and, and the adaptations and where do you, you know, again, bringing the schools into the future too. So we thought about some of the schools in our diocese very much knew that, yes, it was paper packet and that's not something that could be sustained. So they, over that period of time, because you're really going from spring of 2020 all the way to spring of 2022. Right finding ways to implement online learning and finding ways to even get families with maybe hotspots, maybe they couldn't get online. Right. The government did step in and provide some relief funding for that type of thing. So that, I mean, praise God that those things were in place. So there's learning there too. So where does that leave us, right? So if we think about what are we going to take from this in, in the good in the future? I know there was something on your heart when we we're thinking about kind of coming on the podcast, you know, and, and what is something maybe that we still need to rebuild, you know, because there's, it certainly was different for quite a while. I think I think the most difficult parts, there were some difficulties that people probably don't understand. So we, we're also facing, we were also facing and are facing a teacher shortage yes. in the area and across the country. So uh, you had people who had to step away for health reasons, mm-hmm. and then you had difficulty in staffing your school fully during those times. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you were taking on new teachers, whether they were transitioned to teaching teachers Mm -hmm. or just newer, inexperienced teachers um, who may not have had that in-classroom experience that we normally get. Right. So we were were operating in crisis mode when you're uh, honest about it for two years, two years and a quarter. (laughs) So we didn't fully, probably I was not able to support those teachers looking back, the new teachers, that first year, second year teacher fully as... Well, not in the way we would have before yeah. COVID had hit, right. And, and all right. the classrooms went back to classrooms that I had. The setup were single desks spaced apart mm-hmm. as much as you could. You took right. everything out that you could so that you could get spacing. Yes. And what the blessing out of that spacing was many of our teachers are taught to do stations and small groups and so forth. Um, they hadn't done this in a long time. Oh, yes. And so they found some benefit from it. And some of the benefits were everyone's facing forward. You can see every face. You can get better engagement. There you go. Absolutely. So, and they realized, you know what? I can get the meat and potatoes in and I can get this done. And so that helped to reset some and then take those other great gifts that they use in those small groups and so forth now that we're pulling back in. It, it streamlined, made things more efficient, uh, got down to what the essential skills were and got it done. So, And I think that might be an enduring grace that will last from it is that, you know, before the pandemic, there had rightly been a focus on small group instruction and meeting the individual need of a learner or pairing learners of small groups and meeting that group's need. And indeed, our schools do that. And that's that's a need. It's awesome that we do that. It's exciting. But then you can almost get the sense, I, I sort of received it not from our diocese, but just in again, teacher training, but also in just kind of like the national scene and articles like, oh, well, whole group instruction is is almost like 
bad or undesirable. Right. Not at all. Like whole group instruction is how you set the tone and tenor of what what's our core learning objective. And then from that, you can design different learning activities to meet different instructional groups. But the desire to have, yeah, we have one common learning objective. We're all going to meet that. Some might be even a little bit ahead of it. They're going to meet it at a very deep level. Some are going to struggle to meet it at all, but they are going to meet it. Correct. And we're still going to provide meaningful ways of challenging the middle groups. So the value of whole group done well is valuable. Like that, I know I'm using the word over again, but there was almost the sense in education that, well, no, it's not. You have to have everything small group. It's like, no, we need unity too. Yes. You know, and, and we can be efficient in that. So that I think will be one enduring truth is that good instruction is good instruction. Right. Whether that be whole group or small group or, you know, it could be pairs or groups of four or five, whatever. But that we could see that, that there would be different modalities, but that if we put in genuine thought and prayer and reflection, we can make any of those modalities meaningful and, and actually enriching. So that's pretty exciting. Well, yeah. So one last thought about just kind of pandemic overall. I think we hear a lot yet this year about like, well, what are what are places of rebuilding? You know, are there gaps? And so, you know, listeners might hear on the definitely on the national scene, you'll hear that achievement gaps do exist. And that's not only from, you know, a period of shutdown back in 2020 or for many of the states, I think shortened calendar years. I think we had 160 days that year instead of 180. But it's also, I mean, many public schools, many probably large Catholic systems in some places, I think in general, many Catholic schools chose to remain open. And I think there was faith and trust governing that desire. But some systems were massive. Spacing wasn't possible. They remained virtual for over a year. And and even coming back for longer than a year was, was still sporadic, hybrid models and so forth. So anyway, national gap, especially in reading and math, mm-hmm. different types of national test shows. So, so that gap remains. But I think it's amazing to see recent test scores from some of our diocesan schools. St. Charles certainly gets huge kudos for that. And I'm blessed that St. Vincent's does that, that are doing really well. So that achievement gap is not necessarily there at every place. But do we have work to do in reading and math? Well, yeah, but we have that work to do anyway. That's correct. You know, like that's first is the discipleship of our Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And I love how you've, you spoke to St. Charles' way of enacting the mission just again. To teach, live, love, and learn as Jesus did, right? Do I have it right? That's correct. I got it down. See, I, See I've got short. it. It's yeah. short. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, we're going to then take that into the actual achievement and instruction. So reading math is going to remain with us regardless, right? But that, whether there had been a gap or not, that would be, you know, the the calling in the core. But yeah, do you see for St. Charles anyway, do you see for others maybe that there is still another type of of gap that's been on your mind? Or do you think it's more matching that national trend that we're going to remain really focused right there on the reading and the math. We're going to continue to do a great job with that. So I don't know which is it on for for you all. I think both. We we have work to do as a school, but we're we're now zeroing in on that. We giving the teachers better support. We have an end vision. We know where our strengths and weaknesses are, but we're we're back together. Yes. It's kind of like, you know, look at a sports team. You can know your weaknesses, but last year especially we started the year, we got hit by COVID. Right at the beginning of the year, every yes. all four kindergarten teachers were out. So that's hard, and then, and then that affected aides and teachers, and then uh, other grades. So that first month and a half, we were back in survival mode. Yes. When, when I think that was hardest on on the staff because we were so hopeful we're getting back mm-hmm. to normal. Then yep. we thought maybe after Christmas, and then we got hit right when we got back from Christmas. As did break. we? Oh yes. yes. Did you? Yeah, that Once was when again, Allen County was just getting another hit. month yeah. of you know plug and holes. 
yep. in crisis mode. And then by then you're in the grind. We call it the, I call it the grind from January until spring break. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, those winter months. Yes. It's dark when you get right. up. It's yep. dark when you go to bed yes. and, and just people wear out because you have such a stretch in there. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. Um, probably we're, people were at their lowest at that point, which you normally are. Yeah. And then it's a hard part of the year. we finally yeah. got through that and hit spring break and things started to, to ease up yes. finally. And yeah. now we're back, and it's like having on a football team, the quarterback isn't injured anymore. Oh, yeah. The coaching staff's yeah. all in place. Yeah. And so we're, we're rebuilding. Uh, I think it's a rebuild and re-energizing and then affirming those adults who work in your building and also the students. So as Sister Genevieve, our assistant principal, pointed out, there were some kids who never knew the other way. Yes, you that's know, true. You're younger, that's true. pre-K, K, first, second. They, yeah. They just hadn't been in that system of all being together. What they knew was pandemic, mm-hmm. pretty much. So now they're relearning how to come together, uh, to be together fully, systems united, and then then that spiritual life, gathering together uh, in church and doing things as a whole student body, as, as was alluded to last week in the podcast, uh, the living rosary, we could all gather together. Well, yeah, I was thinking about uh, your episode last week because, you know, you had Melissa Buller, Bullerman on, excuse me. So she's one of your instructional coaches. She is. So there you go. Like you're you're already investing more deeply in the learning needed for the students is always the underlying. But like, how can we help our teachers continue to learn? I think that's so exciting. Um, and then thinking about Ashley Barron on too, she has just started this kindness club that comes to mind. Yes. And I know this was on last week's episode, but just hearing about, you said, Rob, just now, re-energizing. So this kindness club wasn't a response to the pandemic, but it was a response, well, actually indirectly it might be, for all I know. But she was sharing how it was a response to just kind of recent life. And we need to give the kids a direct opportunity to be good and to practice kindness. So they're outside greeting with signs and creating energy, greeting the parents coming in. I think that's fantastic. So that idea of re-energizing, that's something I'm carrying from just learning from what your school's doing about, yes, we need to be energizing our schools. And so, amen. Well, that's great. Well, Rob, I would just want to kind of every episode we do, we try to tie that back, just thinking a little bit about the charity that your teachers have shown. I think at the time of the pandemic, so really a two-year period, but it crossed into three academic years. So we should actually say a three-year period in that sense, but two years on the calendar, right? Educators who were deeply committed to the mission showed a greater level of charity than I think I've, I've ever witnessed. And I always witness charity from educators. Like that's just the fundamental calling as a Catholic school educator. But yet people who were committed figured out how to teach virtually, figured out how to teach in rows, like you were talking about, figured out how to continue to adapt with, okay, you you know, we gloss over it now, but like when we say crisis mode, well, our entire grade level of teachers are out and we need you to step into a new grade and teach today. All right, I'm going to do it because I love the Lord and this needs to get done, right? And and not only, by the way, doing that new assignment just with a day's notice, but probably doing that without the teaching assistant because the assistant is helping the grade that needed to be covered originally, right? So now- Plugging holes in the dam. Yes, We did a lot of that. But I I know that parents at St. Charles would know that that would happen and and appreciate the goodness of Parents were fantastic. They were very supportive. They understood we were doing the best that we could and we were remaining open. Amen. And and it didn't have to be, as I told the teachers, it doesn't have to be great. We just have to be good. Just have to be good. Yeah. If that's just, just do good- and offer good. And that's where we are and, in this and period. we're fine. Right. You know, now we can work on, you know, ramping up scores and taking care of things. But our, yes. the students being in school is the main objective. And that was the biggest help to families. As normal as we could get, 
and being consistent for them every day. Amen. And the teachers were in the staff, the support staff. They were, they were saints. They were excellent. Well, and I would offer amen that they were saints. Uh, in a sense, that's actually, they were being way more than good without even understanding it because they were coming at it from the academic, like the score standpoint. It was, you know, the, the Catholic understanding of love is sacrifice for the good of the other. And the sacrifices made so that the students could have normalcy and have goodness were abundant, but offered with genuine peace that, you know what, I can't offer it. I'm going to offer it. I'm going to try to make these kids' lives better. It's so cool to hear that, Rob. Thank you for for sharing it. And so charity abounds. That is definitely one lasting gift the pandemic showed us is that the capacity for human charity. I mean, I, I've always been a believer in that, that human charity could be bigger than we ever give it credit for. But we got to see it, you know? We did. Yeah. Amen. Well, great. Well, Rob, as we move towards a closing, just to share, we always think about a, a listener around the nation, just, you know, what might there be a takeaway? We always try to give two tips for family life because they may not be able to get to St. Charles, but if they're in town, they've got to check out our schools, right? That's it's great. But um, here's two tips that we could share with, with our families that might be listening. So one way to grow in charity is to be flexible, just like we've talked about our, our teachers being, right? So I think for a parent, they might be saying, well, duh, you know, come on, Zach. Like we know we need to be flexible as parents, but, um, you know, just to even take that to a daily level so that we might be flexible in terms of like, oh, our kids are growing mm-hmm. as they age, their needs change and what programs they do. Right? So there's flexibility there, but even on daily, like, Maybe you have a certain routine and you realize, actually, my kid's just overwhelmed right now mm-hmm. and they just need a break. And that break is just going to be an ice cream trip. Like we're just, you know, but to remain flexible is one way of showing that charity. It is. Yeah. That, that call might be one tip we could take from it. It's just, you know, going for a walk. Maybe there's uh, wherever you are in the nation. I think many dioceses are blessed with somewhere in the diocese in evening mass on the daily mass circuit, you know, exists. Go to that evening mass. Let's just change it up within a day if, if you need it. So that, that'd be one tip. But the other one is just thinking about charity. And, and this is something that I thought of with you, Rob, authentically. If I think somebody who's been in an industry a long time, you also get credit for flexibility. And, and you've done that by really speaking to who you're grateful for, right? And, and your teachers, right? And your priests. So I think charity deepens with gratitude and just reminding parents of that we know that, but can we as parents tell our own children we're grateful for them? And, and there's always a way to say something, you know, like your, your kid could be going through a really hard time and your kid could be in a place where they're not doing a whole lot of like tremendously deeply good things, but they still did something that day where, you know what, that right. time you chose to be kind to your sibling, that time you put your plate away after dinner, that time you made your bed, whatever it was. But it could be simply just that I know you're struggling right now and you were kind to your brother in this instance when he really got on your nerves, like, thank you. You know, and can we thank our children more because they also went through a very difficult time in the pandemic they also show flexibility and, and growth from that. So those those are our two tips for, you know, our, I, I our agree. listeners. I agree with that. And I, I would have, and it doesn't have to be, it can be as simple as a fist bump in school. Yes. When you're passing, oh, yeah. passing yep. someone in the hallway, it doesn't have to be a big fist bump, just a little one. Maybe yep. you're walking down the hall and the other student's coming up and just put out your fist and get a fist bump. Yes. And remember that each day is a new start. Uh, you know, I taught junior high before I became a principal and then, as a principal, you deal with uh, some of those struggling students. Oh, sure. You, know, you yeah. get to know your, <laughs> yes. you get to know certain uh, young kids men that need and women. a little more love, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, amen. But it's, it's a new day. Every day was a new day. I mean, right. we might have gotten, I might have gotten on you about some altercation in kickball. You're in seventh grade or something that just got out of hand. Okay, the life isn't going to go, but you, that, that was a choice you shouldn't have made. But it's a new day tomorrow. Amen. And you got to let it go. And they yeah. got to know it's a new day. The same with your children in the home. 
it's a new day. Yeah. Every day is a new day. You get frustrated. Who doesn't get frustrated? Well, sure. That's normal. Yeah. You know? the, Thanks. Other, the other thing I would ask, and um, I would I would share this, my, my wife, uh, Lori, her aunts, she had three aunts who were very close in age, and one uh, sister, Rita Clare, was a sister of Providence. Oh, awesome. I never knew that. Yeah, St. Mary of the Woods okay. in Terre Haute, um, for, where St. Mother uh, Gurin is yes. uh, from that order. One of the few Indiana saints. That's right. Yes. That's right. And one thing she would do for me, she, they, all three sisters um, became ill around the same time. It was kind oh. of an a, kind of a unusual thing, but they were in their 90s and approaching. Okay. And so they all passed within about four months of each other. That's a really hard time um, in the family, But Rod. Sister Rita Claire would tell me, which I greatly appreciated, she would say, I pray for you by name every day. So what I recently asked at our grandparents' special person's day, I just asked, uh, encouraged, I should say, that those good people would pray for the children in their lives, the grandchildren in their lives by name every day. Do I do it every day? I do not. I try to. Um, I, I wear a green scapular uh, and the saying or the charism of that is simply praying Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us oh, okay. once a day. I hadn't heard that and, before. That's uh, awesome. I have it on right now. I see. And, yeah, that's and, great. Uh, you know, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for faith. You know, yes. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for Sophia, pray for Isaiah, the kids. Yes. Spiral out among your kids, your grandkids, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors. And then if if you can just do something simple like that every day, to know that someone is praying for you by name every day is so powerful. So that's what I would encourage today. Amen. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah. That's that's such a grace. And knowing that you receive that through marriage from, you know, again, I understand your wife's aunt, but an aunt through marriage, right? Yes. Who is also a sister who was who was sharing that probably shortly before she went home to meet the Lord, yeah, right? She shared it years ago. She'd let let me know. I'm, I'm praying for you by name every day. So it was just like yeah. even on your worst day, yep. someone's someone's in your corner praying oh, for you. Amen. You know? That's beautiful. And it is because we're all love children of God. And we and clearly, Rob, you work to remind your students. And I would think and hope every principal would want to do that. Yeah. You know, for the and the teachers, of course, do too. Well, that's a great place. We always try to end then with prayer. So we're going to close in prayer today. And just Rob, I want to thank you again so much. Thank you. There's so much good that St. Charles has done through this time. It's really been fun hearing about it. And I just uh, can't thank you enough for being on the show today. But let's ask God to bless your school and bless all our schools as we uh, close now in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we ask for your particular blessing on St. Charles Borromeo School, and also for all Catholic schools around the nation. May we continue to grow in faith, and may we live this flexibility, this charity, this goodness that we've heard of our teachers living today. Please especially bless all those teachers who taught through this time. May they continue to have great and sustained faith, hope, and joy in the ministry. And we thank you, Lord, for the great gift of our Catholic schools. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Rob, thank you again. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Zach. You do an excellent job. So <laughs> it's a good, it's a good uh, outreach here and can continue to lead your community well. I know you will. So I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Tune in next week for more Spirit in the Schools. Spirit in the Schools, baby. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Spirit in the Schools. Zach Coyle has been your producer and host. This episode was edited by Tony Marks. And for more information, go to spokestreet.com slash spirit. Spirit in the Schools. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.